When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio or Chant TV. Great to be with you. Thanks for joining us on a Thursday. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Director Matthew. He's around these parts somewhere. We know he's involved. Appreciate you. I think that's the first full-throated, hearty, feeling 100% normal opening to the show that I've had uh, in about, uh, I don't know, 10 shows. That's a good sign. We're back. We're back. And what a good time to be back. A riveting turn of events uh, last night on the diamond for the Knowles. I'll touch on it momentarily. What a bizarre ending. Tough loss for USF. Oh, well, suck it. And um, good times. Bright and early this morning with my brethren on the beat as we watched Florida State take the field for the final of the tour of duty workouts. That's not for the faint of heart. I got to tell you, sometimes I watch workouts and I become the curmudgeon, the old man that played many moons ago and say, well, back when I played, uh, these workouts were tougher than this. I can tell you. No, I, I didn't think that this morning. I thought this morning, this looks like a bitch to get through is what I thought. And, uh, those guys were putting in the work, putting it in and they have my admiration. I already, no, they're better athletes, but uh, the work ethic and the, and the toughness there, uh, it was on display. And I, I think they got to be proud as a staff that that's where they've gotten to. This is where you want it to be. I'll document that momentarily. It's not just the caliber of the athlete that they now have at most segment groups and the depth of that talent, uh, but also, again, the minds of, uh, of the veteran players who have put in the work and arrived at this place and now pass it on to the new groups of kids, whether they be transfers or the freshmen, which, oh, by the way, plenty impressive, plenty, plenty of impressive young lads uh, in this freshman class as well. And I maybe I wasn't expecting that. I think all eyes are always on the transfers and the transfer portal. Uh, but a lot of guys in that freshman class that I came away very impressed with and thought they're going to get they're going to get something good out of those guys. And, and, and some guys that are kind of the modern athlete, especially uh, when you look in that secondary, these, these hybrid players that have all of this length, they're borderline too big for the position, and you kind of look at it, you kind of look at them in the way that you looked at Jalen Ramsey when he arrived, when you went, oh, man, that's different. Can he really run? Can he flip his hips and go at that size? And we have some guys that intrigue me in that way. I'm not saying any one of these guys is going to be Jalen Ramsey. Obviously, he's... Uh, been an elite corner in the league since he arrived. But uh, I, I do think you have some athletes and some guys that um, will open your eyes and get you excited about watching them play football. The women fall and get upset and blow a lead. Uh, I did see that earlier. That ain't good. They blow a lead. Um, that game tipped off at 11 a.m. this morning in Greensboro. And with all that we were doing, I was not watching the 5-12 matchup that was Florida State versus Wake Forest. And uh, 
we had a, you know, Tanaya Latson didn't play in this game. She had an undisclosed injury. That is a problem since she's by far and away your best player, not even close, maybe one of the best five players in the country. Florida State led 34-16 to at halftime, Tom. Now, first of all, 16 points is embarrassing for a collegiate basketball team of any caliber to be playing and scoring in a half. But that's what they had. Uh, and then here we sat in the second half uh, and 65-54. Florida State does nothing in the second half. And good night, Irene. They lose. They're out of it. So we'll see what ends up happening uh, for their NCAA tournament, which starts on March 17th and what they'll be seated. But that's a, that's a bad loss. Everything else has been good news. Everything else has been good news. I don't want to hyper-focus on this. That sucks. Don't do that. That's embarrassing, but it happened. So there you go. You're updated. Now, let's circle back. Let's start with baseball last night. So many things to touch on here, and I'm, but believe me, the bulk of the show is football, kids. Bulk of the show is football. We're just at the top here. At the top, we recount what just happened. And what just happened was a rather improbable win. And you can't discount these. It doesn't mean that they're going to, again, uh, go on to have uh, – a season for the ages or, or or something worse where you think, why were they in this kind of a battle with USF? Whatever, wherever you sit on this. It's a baseball game. It's a midweek baseball game. And I drew a ton of positives out of this even before the comeback win, Tom. I, there were a lot of factors that I liked about this game before Florida State had to make the comeback and before they blew a 3 to nothing lead in the middle innings or any of that stuff. And I, I want to start by saying that uh, I thought uh, – that, that Jamie Arnold looked good, really good. I think that's important. 36 pitches, what amounts to a short, short bullpen session, basically, which is what he would have thrown anyhow. I think, obviously, you want to create. We talk about competition all the time, right? Trying to compete for that rotation, the weekend rotation. I thought he went out there and kept the ball down, most importantly. I thought his off-speed pitches looked really good. He spotted the fastball just fine, so I thought that was important. I really thought uh, – David Barrett was cruising along looking good until you saw that John Montez dong, a massive dong at that. That was sizable. Not sure it's landed, followed by a double play. Rank looked lost, I mean, a, a double in the gap. Rank looked a little lost out there in center on that play when he went careening into the wall. Uh, I, I mean, maybe I'm a tough judge, but I didn't look that hard to play. But anyhow, that uh, we saw some things start to, to fall off there. Oxford came in. Uh, gave up the the, the RBI single. Uh, and then I think the highlight of the night for me was Whitaker's seven Ks in relief. They asked that kid to throw forever, and he amassed seven strikeouts before getting tired. Uh, my man Tibbs, Tom, he has an A, B, or two every night they play. Last night, obviously, he hit a two-run dong right off the bat. Uh, that ball was crushed uh, later on, worked the walk. He's just he's a professional hitter in that lineup, and I will watch his ABs uh, lovingly because I think I think he's going to play Major League Baseball. He's a, he's a fun player to watch, swing the bat. Compact, smooth to the ball, short to the ball, barrels it up, understands the strike zone, really cool to watch. I know Ferreira continues to hit. He, he by the way, had to lead off last night. They shook up the lineup, have to, because uh, of injury, and right away hit a single. Uh, so, you know, these are all good things. Florida State had a lot of good ABs that led to that problem with the shortstop at the end. You know, you, you got uh, even Titan, who, who who ends up striking out, has a really good at-bat. I mean, you're making that kid throw 36, 37, 38 pitches. 
Uh, and so Nander does, you know, he basically hits a, a glorified pop-up, but it falls in between a bunch of people. USF has to feel pretty victimized, snake bit, if you will, by uh, the bloopers that fell last night. There were a few. Well, I don't know where the hell their center fielder was playing. Was that no doubles in a one-run game? I, I don't get what that defense is because that would be managing to not lose the game on an outfield hit rather than just playing the game. So, by the way, you can bring that up. It, you know, I know they lose by a run. Well, go back to the run they gave up in the first inning when the center fielder's back is against the wall. Yeah. Yeah. On a ball that's bloop singled uh, as well. Uh, that was the that was yeah. the carry on single that had no business falling. I don't get what that is. That's a really tough play for the shortstop. He got there well, and should have made the play. Yeah, catch, catch the ball. Oh, I felt bad for him. That's that's a toughie. That's a tough situation there. It, it, it but, sucks because your center fielder's not played properly. That's fair. Yeah. What's what's also fair is that hit the middle of your glove. Yeah. Catch the ball, man. The thing to me is it's a midweek game and you got some good. You had to spend Crowell on a Wednesday, which I, I don't love 50-plus pitches ahead of a Friday. But what Link said after the game, which I think this is the, the most important takeaway for me, he said he's going to manage to win a Wednesday and not worry about a Friday. And I find that fascinating. I don't, I don't think know. that's true. Well, that's what he said. Well, I don't so, think it's true. Okay. He's a liar. We'll move on. I don't think he's a liar. I don't think you ever managed to lose so you can get away with it with semantics. Well, why would you pitch Crowell for 50-plus if you're not managing to win tonight? I, you're, you're managing to win games, but he's probably figuring Crowell can pitch on Saturday and Sunday. You know, I mean, it just depends how they want to use. Boy. Maybe because it's Gulf Coast and it's not, you know, a top 25 team in the country playing on Friday. Uh, I don't know. But it's just spending that guy on a Wednesday is an interesting use of his talent, given that in the previous weekend series against TCU, he pitched on Friday for an extended stay, and it was unavailable the rest of the weekend. Now, perhaps if the score is different in the latter innings on Sunday, you see him. I think but so. I, I'm watching Wyatt Crowell. This, his usage matters to me because at this point, Arnold's performance is booing for a, a true freshman. That's good to see. Really good. But at this point, you trust three arms right now, maybe four, maybe four on oh. that whole staff, including starters and bullpen. And Crowell is number one or number two that you trust. Well, I, I think that when he's he's still figuring a lot of that out. I mean, you had you had freshmen and others come in there and get asked to throw thirty pitch thirty plus pitches. He's figured out who's what. I, I, you know, you know how I look at the regular season. I don't really care all that much about a regular season record. I get it. I want to be a top eight national seed if we can be, um, but I think you got to know your personnel and know exactly what they are by the time you get into the ACC tournament and then on into the postseason. Uh, you got to know wh how a guy is most effectively used. I think you got to know um, it, it, exactly where they shine, where they're uniquely gifted, where you can get the most out of guys. So I, I don't. It, it'll be interesting. I look at it. I look at it a lot of ways. So for example, like a, a freshman like uh, Lance Triple, who gets to start, right? You're going to do things like that in these games. You're going to you're going to throw guys out there that you're like, all right, well, let's see what he does. Oh, I agree. That's that's largely what midweeks are for. But I'm learning something about Link here. If you're willing to spend one of your, you don't see that very often. That your top guy out of the bullpen is, is going to go for an extended stay in the formative moments of a weekday game ahead of a weekend series. Now, if, if they do this against Jacksonville later in the season or somebody else, UCF, before an ACC uh, series on the weekend, then we've got ourselves a trend here. It might just be because it's Gulf Coast Friday through Sunday. But, I mean, I just on a Wednesday night, okay, I noted. Jacksonville beat Florida last night, buddy. You got you to gotta, you gotta bring it when you play JU. <laughs> <laughs>
And USF uh, had to come back win against Florida. USF's been, yeah, USF's uh, been good for uh Yeah. So they were uh what did they make? The first weekend, the, the second weekend, maybe the super regional yeah, a couple they, years ago. They've been yeah, they've been good before. Yeah, yeah. They, they they've got a little something there. And they should. Look where they are. There's no reason for that program to stink. They ought to be good. They gotta be frustrated as hell all time against Florida State. Because even when they've been good, they haven't had the best of it against the Knowles. And again, last night they probably thought, well, we're gonna get this game. Get this win, get that first out in the final inning. You're, you're sitting there feeling pretty good, and then, man, I just I love those long at bats. You you work out a situation, you, you end up getting a walk, and you know that changes the complexion of the inning. And Florida State had several guys with really good at bats, um, ranked with the great AB who worked the walk, changes things in extra innings at that point. Now, now you've worked the walk and you've put pressure on, and, and it's it's exciting. So. Florida State gets the win last night. Back to the football, and I want to dive right in, and we'll deep dive this, so we'll take a quick break here because I want to go through and talk to you guys about the transfers, talk to you guys about the freshmen, and look at some guys that were coming off of injuries and how they fared as well and give you overall big-picture stuff of what we saw today in the tour of duty workouts and what we're most excited to see uh, as we get set for spring. Tomorrow, the kickoff luncheon or the uh, the, the luncheon for the spring uh, the start of spring football in which we get to talk to not only the head coach, but also all of the assistant coaches. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. We uh, began the show by mentioning 6 a.m. workouts at the indoor practice facility. And an opportunity to hear from Coach Norvell and Josh Storms, the strength and conditioning coach, after uh, the workout. And you can tell they're pleased. I uh, took copious notes, as did Tom Lang and Ira Chappelle. And the guys along took notes, too, but he was holding a camera, so he couldn't do as much note-taking as possible. It's actually impressive. He was holding a laptop in one hand yeah. with the camera. Yeah, while. He, he was. <laughs> that was pretty impressive. So depending on how you began your morning, where you were standing to watch, they separate the groups. But one of the first things that stood out to he, to me was Jaheim Bell, number six, the transfer from South Carolina, who you think certainly adds an awful lot to this tight end room. And, and his versatility is something we're excited about as well. But when you look at him body type-wise, he looks like he belongs in an NFL locker room. And the reason I bring that up, we'll see if he plays a, a, a really high level of football. I, I think he will. But when you see his athleticism and his build, you are reminded of what guys look like in the National Football League. Uh, he's, uh, he's something. And uh, watching him run and, and watching him work out, especially in the first half of workouts this morning, uh, he sort of jumped off the page, if you will, to me. Uh, and I think, and by the way, go ahead. You're you're going right to the next guy I'm going to mention. <laughs> I see where you were going, because I'll tell you something right now. Jeremiah Byers is different. Uh, that is a massive human being, but more than a massive human being, he is a guy that can move, can really move. Great feet. He kind of glides for a guy that size. You're not accustomed to seeing that. He too stood out very quickly. To all of us in attendance, you, you want who's 63? Got to check the roster again. What are these guys' numbers? They're forever changing their numbers, first of all. Then you have all these transfers that come in. Who the hell is that kid? That man. 
He's a monster and he moves. Well, it was Byers. And he looked really, really good. Uh, You're going to catch sort of this tired, familiar refrain from all of us that talk about where this team's at, what that roster looks like, who these players are, what we think they portend to be. And it's part of the larger discussion that I get excited about, which is that a few years ago, I had to fight not to be overly negative walking away from practice, walking away from the tour of duty. A couple of years ago, I thought, my goodness gracious, it's never a good sign when you can easily pick out the two or three elite-level athletes on the roster. They jump out. You can't miss them because they're surrounded by guys that are substandard for elite football and when Florida State is operating at peak efficiency. Nowadays, that is simply not true. You know, every few seconds you look up, who's that? Well, that's Keziah Holmes. That's the running back you haven't seen. Well, he's big and can move too. How about that guy adding to the running back room? Who's that? Who's this corner that's so fluid? Oh, that's the Fintrell Cypress kid. Absolutely fluid. Looks the part. Then you're looking around and you're saying, who is number 24? Well, that's K.J. Kirkland. He's a freshman. He looks like a linebacker. Who's built like that and runs like that at that age? Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply what's up guys our next partner that you're going to hear from is athletic greens you've heard me talk about athletic greens in the past happy to talk about them again i take athletic greens every day And I gave them a try because certainly I wanted more energy, sustained energy. I wanted to support my immune system. I don't like taking pills and vitamins per se. And I wanted something that tasted good too. And the first time I tried it, I was very surprised. Uh, It had an appreciable effect on my energy levels. And also, uh, over time, you'll note that it, uh, it helps your skin, your hair, your nails. I don't have a lot of hair, but if I did, I bet I could feel that. I bet I could tell. It's a comprehensive health uh, habit and uh, it is a, a powerful one at that. AG1 is great for recovery. Uh, that's athletic greens. And uh, I, I take mine basically when I wake up every morning and I don't have to worry about it because you get all the nutrients that you want. It's the best way to ensure that you're going to get all of your vitamins. It's a carbon neutral business, by the way, if that's important to you. It is to a lot of people and that's good to know as well. I would also note that uh, it is a comprehensive solution to what you need from a supplement routine. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs right now with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Helps me out, guys, if you use that. Not financially, but it lets them know that you heard this ad on my show. And I do take it. 
and I am vouching for them because I enjoy their product. It's athleticgreens.com slash JCS. Check it out. I think you'll note the difference in your life with a simple drink each and every morning to start your day. Athleticgreens.com slash JCS. You know, I did that quite a bit. Hell, I did it with uh, Quindarius Jones. Just, yeah, there, look look at that kid. Uh, you, you're not supposed to look like that as a true freshman. So, you know, again, we're, we're talking about guys that, you know, uh, we're going to see them put on pads. We'll get an opportunity to judge them in a much different role. There's Kyle Morlock, if you're watching on the screen right now, uh, a lot bigger than he was at Shorter, Tom. He's a lot bigger. He is already put on a good amount of weight, a good kind of weight from the picture that he took when he was here being recruited to where he is now. That's a different looking kid. Looks like he's aged two years too, by the way, which is a good thing. He almost looked like a, a baby the first time we saw him. And then you look at the man weight that he's put on and uh, the hard work he's put in the gym. That kid, he's big enough. You know, I wondered about that coming from a small, small college. How would he look the part? Would he look right when he got here? Yeah, yeah, man, he looks the part. I'm looking forward to having a discussion with you as we go, you know, player by player throughout the days and weeks to come. Right now doing the little photo scroll thing. But I will say, since you brought up Morlock and since he's on the screen, very, very impressed with fluidity, polish, and then top-end speed. Those three things. As they were going through drills, there are certain drills that won't tell you a damn thing about what a player can be on a, on a football field when there's actually a game going on. But some of these drills today for receivers, running backs, tight ends, corners, they show your lateral movement, the Matt Millar lateral speed, <laughs> and then also just your overall 0-60 to 60 athleticism, things like that. Morlock was fantastic and looked very much the part of a polished veteran in, in that regard. I was, I was impressed with what he put out there. Yeah, I mean, there are guys that you see in this group. These, the, If you go back to, let's go back to the freshmen for a second. Two different types of freshmen that that roll in here right now, and you know there are those that have the you know the requisite thickness, if you will, to maybe see some time and get on the field and contribute right away in a limited role. You know, you'll find guys that you say, well, you know, body type wise, he can handle it. KJ Kirkland, for example, can handle it. You look at him and you think, yeah, he can handle that. Hakeem Williams. You know, you start with your five-star wide receiver looking like a grown-ass man, uh, a big body type, every bit 6'5", really moves. Absolutely, you could see him contribute right away in an already deep receiving core and one that you're excited to watch continue to grow. He's a guy that right off the bat. Meanwhile, my opinion, you know, you got a kid like Lamont Green who's got a long way to go. He is an athlete. We're excited about what he could become. I can't fathom him being on the football field playing college football this season. Uh, he's going to have to get a lot bigger. I mean, a lot bigger. He, he's small. Lucas Simmons. Okay, so Lucas Simmons, of all of the guys you bring in, is a guy that a lot of people seem to have the most certainty will play professional football because of that height and that reach and that lower body. He's massive in the trunk. He's got the long arms, big giant kid with quick feet. Going to have to get a lot bigger, a lot stronger up top. Now he's got that he's got that trunk that'll help him in the games against lower level teams that he'll play in. But he's got to get 
a lot bigger up top. Yeah, you know that bit in the third Austin Powers where he's on the shoulders of Mini-Me and he's walking around <laughs> as the doctor? Yeah. Well, Lucas Simmons is the opposite of that. So take that idea and flip it. He's done the hard part. He's developed in the area that you you know you would be most concerned about as a lineman. Yeah, as a lineman, he's yeah. You can't uproot him. It would not appear. He's big, very man. easily. Uh, seeing how strong he is in his base gives me hope that he can play right here, right now, this fall with some work in the weight room. Uh, obviously, now and in the summer, if he could develop at all up top, but. He's every bit of six eight. You know, sometimes you look at these listings with a John Desai, but Quindarius Jones, KJ Kirkland, Lucas Simmons. When you see these guys in person and you see the listings for the defensive backs at six one or six two, and, and Simmons at six eight at three hundred pounds, they're all carrying the weight that that is listed. I I didn't get the sense looking at anybody that oh man that's just an outright lie, and that happens on football teams at times where there's an exaggeration. Simmons towers over everybody else He's in a that monster. segment group. He's a monster. The thing is, you're right. He can play. I, I, I just like that they won't need him to. I don't think they need him to. They've got so many plus bodies on the offensive line right now. I, I think that's the thing to get most excited about. Now, I understand when you think you only have a guy for that best three years, you want to get him out there and maximize him as an asset and what he is. And they're going to be blowout games where you'll be able to play them. But I, I don't think you'll play them more than the four. You know, I, maybe you would. Maybe you would because you're saying I don't if need you to do, shoot them anyhow. But, I mean. Well, if you do, it's because of merit. And that would be the good thing. I just, it's, he's going to have a hard time because I'll tell you this. Uh, they've got tackles. And I would, I, I would point out, everybody, that Julian Armella is bigger, too. Quite a bit bigger, I thought. Now, I, I don't know what they list him at, but I was really surprised at how big he looked. Uh, and he was already an athlete. He is already quick-footed. We loved his mobility. He's a bigger dude all the way around this year. Well, you're taking a look at, at him combined with the transfers, and you're thinking, yes, sir. I mean, this is this has the potential to be a mean, mauling offensive line. And if you don't mind, indulge me. Can I pull up the photo of Casey Roddick? Yeah. He's, 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 a, he's a giant human I being. mean... Sir, I mean, what are you going to do with that, guys? Just the reach to go. He's not the tallest guy in the world. He is, he is yeah. every day an interior offensive lineman, but he's got a wingspan, and he is a dense dude. Yeah, it's actually troubling. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at the. If you're watching this show right now instead of just driving around, if you're driving around, go back and pull it up on YouTube later on. And uh, if you have to, forward to the 45-minute mark so that you can see Casey Roddick getting low here and running. And then imagine a guy with those legs deciding he's had enough of you. I mean, good luck with that. What are you going to do with that? It's frightening. And his arms are as almost big as big as his legs, his upper arms. It was just, it was alarming. When I saw these new, I put it out. It was one of my tweets this morning, one of the few, was just looking at all these new offensive linemen. It is a discovery process that I am jazzed about, sir. I'm so, listen to me. I, I, I get, you guys know that I've been fairly, uh, not, not, I don't know about pessimistic, but I've, I've always been quick when we're on these, uh, the, these runs of glowing praise to make sure that I point out, yes, that's true of this guy, but we don't have enough of him. Yes, that's true of this player in this segment group, and I think he's a difference maker and a game changer and can play anywhere. The problem is behind him is a, you know, just another guy. 
you know, I would always do that because I knew we were growing to where we want to be, that we were trying still to put together classes, and whether it be transfers or freshmen or whatever it might be, to where you could look around and see the kind of intense competition needed for real growth, but also to endure injury, to have quality backups that when they play, the consistency with which you have to play to be good teams doesn't fall off a cliff. You know, I'm always trying to point out the other side just so we're honest. Because even in years where we think, I think they could win eight or nine games, that's, you're still talking about the ACC, you, you know. And now you know where my goal is. Now I'm comparing and contrasting us to Georgia and Ohio State and Alabama because I want us to win national championships again. And that, that's their goal. That's what he has stated. I mean, they want to do that. So when I look at the roster now and I talk about them looking impressive, it's because they're more akin to those programs. They're not there yet. They can't be expected to be there. But they're in a place to easily back up last year's 10-win season with a very impressive campaign. And if they stay healthy, they could, you know, they could win the conference certainly and maybe make the college football playoffs. Where I get giddy thinking about practice because look, it was an upgrade last year to see rotating with the twos, sometimes with the ones depending upon injuries. You got Demetri Emanuel, whose status is still up in the air to see if the waiver will be granted for him to be still a member of the team. And a young Josh Farmer, who I think has done some good work in, in the weight room to get stronger up top. But like that was a matchup head-to-head where I would say, all right, things are getting better. And now I'm just thinking about Byers or Roddick against Daryl Jackson from Miami. And you're just going up another level. That is another level of head-to-head competition in terms of sheer size, strength, and mass when you get to watch one-on-ones, and I, I just can't wait for it. I wish they were starting tomorrow. You know, all due respect to the 10 coaches we talked to. They start, I prefer, they start uh, Monday, Tom. I know, but I, <laughs> after watching today, I just I think about these trench battles, and sir, this is going to be a hoot. Well, and you brought him up. I should have brought him up earlier, too. I got carried away, but this is, the, this is kind of a, a wonderful illustration of what we mean. You brought up Daryl Jackson. Holy moly, guys. I left the. I said today in the stand-up with Ira that this is going to be a team of, of of hurt feelings. I, I you've got guys that have played an awful lot of football in their young careers that I'm not so sure are going to play an awful lot of football this year. I I think the competition. You look at several of these positions. You could have new. You could have new starters at both left tackle and right tackle. You could have a new starter at guard. Yeah. Well, you will have a new starter at guard. Right. You are going to have a new starter. Well, yeah, and you could have both if Emmanuel's waiver isn't granted by right. default. Yeah. 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 So you're going to have a new starter. You, you're likely going to have a bare minimum of three new starters on the offensive line. There's a chance of that. Look, it's it's plain and simple. Robert Scott is on notice, not as much as the next two names, Darius Washington and Maurice Smith. Oh, yeah. You're on notice. Oh, buddy. I mean, Keandre Jones is not somebody that we're mentioning yet as potentially in the rotation, <laughs> but that dude is as wide as he is tall. Yeah. And I think he's uh he's standing next to Byers in, in one of the photos, so I'll scroll it back up uh, for those watching on WarChan TV. But that dude is massive, 75, kind of hovering in the background there. Yeah. No, if you want to go straight beef, you can. And on the other, the flip side of it, you can bully people in short yarded situations if, in a way we haven't in years. But if Maurice and or Darius win the job in the fall, that means that their game has been elevated to a level 
that they wouldn't be pushed to without these dudes being on campus. I'd be surprised if both those gentlemen win their job. I would too. I don't. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. We'll we'll get into this. I mean, we can just predict all we want. I mean, it's it's, it's only our opinion about what we think is going to happen, and we've got a lot of football to view in the meantime, and and we don't know what's going to happen. But I that that's the reason I'm so excited. Uh, if you said in a nutshell, what are you most excited about? It's that they've got a bevy of really talented, big, strong dudes on the offensive line. I mean, they, that competition is going to be intense. We have not had an offensive line that looks like this and has as many bodies that look like this in maybe the entire time that I have covered the program, period. Going back to 98. I mean, like, I don't remember this many monsters that can really move really good feet. So, we got to see him put on the pads, but a lot of these guys already have footage. You've seen him play SEC football. You've seen him play big-time college football. They, they got guys, man. They've got guys that have played the game. So, I'll pull up one more photo. I know I'm driving the director nuts with this stuff because of uh, the switching around. But uh, here it is of Jaheim Bell and Keziah Holmes yeah. running side-by-side. Oh, I, side. I was duly impressed with both. And there's a question from Go Knowles. The question's from a lot of you, and we'll – answer them in the coming days, maybe even today before Because I look great to answer Gonol's question. He looked great. And Coach Norvell said he was coming off of a stomach bug, so he wasn't at 100% today. But again, if you've got that offensive line that we're talking about, and let's say it's a goal line situation, you want to go six offensive linemen, you got Marquison on the end of the line, you don't even have to if you don't want to. Jaheim leading the way in the backfield with a guy like Kaziah or Trey Benson, oh, either one will work. look fine. And yeah. he looked fine. Yeah. And then you got Johnny split out wide. That is something where on third and one and the world knows you're running, you stand a chance against the good defensive lines that you're going to face. A really good chance. Um, you know what I thought about Kaziah since he was brought up? You know, I mean, we this running back room is one that we're very impressed by and you don't have a lot of worries. And you saw the emergence of Trey Benson last year as kind of a bona fide star in this league and maybe he'll be a star nationally. One, one of the things that I liked about Keziah is I, I think he gets that to get the kind of reps he wants, he's going to have to just throw himself into this thing over and over and over again with a want to that cannot be ignored. That was brought up today by Mike afterwards when he said that he's been dealing with a stomach ailment, and yet there he was out there on every rep. Before he brought it up, I had noted it in this year notebook. I had written it down that he had stepped up as a guy that whenever they needed somebody back in the drill, he could have just come off the field, and he went right back out there. This is what competition is. This is what it does. It forces you to, as, as Mike said, go to the brink and then take another step because you want to be a part of something special. Well, the good thing I like, and this is where social media can help give you a window into the team, Kaziah had said something about having a breakout season on, on social media and that he could be akin to a Trey Benson. And Trey quote tweeted and said, show the world. So that room is in a healthy, I like seeing evidence of healthy competition, not destructive to the culture kind of competition. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And so that's where coming into this season with the locker room in a good place as it was can help you as you usher in newer players from the high school ranks in the transfer portal that are commanding a pretty penny to arrive at Florida State, which is always going to cause some kind of tension, but then also to say we're doing this for the betterment of the team because what's been inherited from last year 
is as, I think, kumbaya of a locker room as we're going to see in the Mike Norvell era. It's got to be a little bit more cutthroat as time goes on, but it's coming from a healthy place, and everybody seems to be at this point willing to share the rock. And if Kazaya emerges as your second guy, then all the you're all the better for it. But look out, Rodney Hill got a lot of praise from Mike Norvell today as well, and he looks like he put in a lot of work in the gym. They all do. They all do. They have not been shirking their responsibilities in the gym. I think this is the closest evidence we have that this is gearing more and more towards Bama table type chatter. And uh, I've been waiting on it for a long time. It's just good to see. I, You know, we get a lot of questions in the chat. I'm trying to answer all of them. Some of them we did earlier. Uh, to answer how Armella looked, Mike, he, he looks a lot bigger. He was already big, and he looks bigger. So, again, we're just adding to the number of guys who already showcased something that got you excited a year ago. Good feet, great size, whatever it might be, toughness. And, and we're talking about what they've done since we've seen them last. In many cases, it's get a lot bigger. <laughs> so that competition in that offensive line, if you're Alex Adkins, you've got to be so excited. We, we have hardly even brought up the guys that were here last year putting in the work and learning what is expected of them, but they weren't quite ready to play, that were already on the roster, that were part of that recruiting class that we liked from the offensive line. Those five offensive linemen that we brought in that he referenced in my interview with him, they're not wrong. By the way, Estes looks huge, and he's moving just fine. So he's going to throw his name in the hat in the ring for one of those interior offensive line spots as well. You want to get into a position where it's so hotly contested, we are all debating each other about which guy on a given day has the lead. Let, let Alex Atkins work that competition out. Obviously, we trust him at this point. Got a lot of people to work through. How about an offensive line with a combination in certain places of Robert Scott and Armella and Byers and Roddick and then best available, DeAndre Jones? He's just got so many dudes. That is. It's 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 funny to watch. We've just got. By the way, Bless Harris looked great today. Good to see Bless Harris back What you out know there. about Bless That's Harris? That's right. That's right. I almost went over and said, look at how Bless came back from the injury looking strong. Moving well. Can't overlook my man, Bless yep. Harris. He'll be in the competition. Maybe now at guard because we have some tackle options. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Thank everybody who tuned in last night to uh, join us for our town hall, if you will, on Warchant TV, Warchant.com. If you missed it, you can go find it there. Uh, I thought it was fun. It was enjoyable. Thanks to everybody who uh, chimed in and, and, and listened in and watched that play out. Our, my, our guest did a good job. Connolly did a good job. Uh, David Hale did a great job as well. And uh, I kind of put David on the spot a couple times. Could we sue your employer, David? <laughs> Saw that he and Andrea Adelson co-authored a long piece this morning on ESPN.com relating to this very issue. And it seems like, and he, and he said as much last night on the live show, that if you ask administrators off the record, you might have quorum here to take a vote on moving on mm -hmm. because this is not tenable. But that's very different from on the record, and it's also very different from finding enough homes for different programs in this conference to get to the eight necessary to be in a good place. The, the conversation has started 
it had already started, but now it started in a public way. And I think we go back to that over and over again and realize uh, that once that begins, it's unlikely that the team that started the very vocal complaint that the situation is, in fact, untenable, yeah, that, that team doesn't typically hang out for the long term. How to get there, what's possible, how soon, what would have to happen, the legal wrangling, all of those things are up for debate. You'll get a variety of opinions from lawyers, from journalists, from coaches, and from administrators. We don't know. School presidents, you name it. Nobody knows for sure, but I think we do know that they got the ball rolling. That's what started last Friday in front of the board of directors. What was done there was to begin the conversation, the larger conversation about what has to happen or what they would like to happen. And again, depending on your point of view, your perspective, if you're from North Carolina, if you're from the, the Northeast, if you're from Miami, if you're from wherever, you probably see it a little bit differently. Everybody's going to look out for number one. Everybody's going to have a bias in the way they view this because they went to school somewhere or they root for a school or they cover a school or they live in a region. And that's true across the country. So not everybody's going to look at this the same way, but I do think we can come to an agreement. I think David was certainly uh, understanding of that when we had the discussion last night that if you're a fan of the ACC and you want to see a long-term viability to the conference, and I don't know who that is, but let's just say there's a person who is waving the flag of the ACC, perhaps they're best friends with John Swafford. Um, if that were the case, then you hated what just happened. You, you don't want to see what just happened because you know that that is highly unlikely that once that conversation starts, that something could be remedied here. They're not in a position to remedy it. And the, the salves that they continue to talk about and apply, which is that, well, we maybe we can give a little bit more money to FSU. Maybe we can give a little bit more money to Clemson. Really, it's chump change. It's chump change. You get me an extra $3 million. David brought that up last night that some of the schools behind the scenes have said, yeah, maybe we'd be willing to part with that. Wake Forest and schools like that are saying, yeah, maybe we'd be willing to park with that because we don't want to have to leave here. This is a good deal for us. As I said, this TV deal between ESPN and the ACC is only a bad deal for about four teams. It's an okay deal for two teams, and it's a very good deal for the rest of them because nobody wants their ass. Uh, they don't drive ratings. They don't change or move the needle or do anything, so they don't want to see all this thing fall apart. But even if you're willing to acquiesce or concede that, what are we talking about? When you're making $42 million and somebody's about to cash in $70 million, man, and you have to compete with that year in and over year in, a uh, year out, you're dead in the water. $3 million isn't going to change a thing. Yeah, and that's where it gets down to the brass tacks of looking at the precedent of how the Big 12 was exited by Texas and Oklahoma. The precedent set there was $50 million for one year per school against a future earnings. And if you look at that right now, that would put Florida State at $650 million to settle beyond the payment to the ACC of 120 Now, they might combine that down. You asked the question, I know it's been asked on the boards a lot, about, well, couldn't ESPN just move Florida State from one place to the other and we don't have to pay the chunk of change for the grants of rights? I think the ACC would sue anyway, and so therefore you've got a problem on your hands in terms of litigation. Yeah, they're going to want their money. Everybody, and whether or not they have reasonable uh, grounds to do that or not is immaterial. If you still got to pay the lawyer... 
and the law firm, then you still got to pay them, and that's going to be a cost out of your pocket. So Florida State's trying to avoid that clearly as much as possible. But if you do the quick math on that, as we get three, four years from now, if nothing changes, I believe the cost becomes palatable to Florida State, where you could cut that check as long as it's against future earnings and you don't have to pull it straight out of a crazy-ass money order. Well, you, you couldn't do that, and you would pay it off over 30 years. you right. do all that stuff. Yeah, but I, I, would, I will just say this, too. Last night I su- suggested, and, and I don't think it's far-fetched. I, I think that David didn't want to talk about that, and I understand why he's employed by ESPN, but also, I, you know, we, we don't know the answer to it. I'm not saying it's, it's plausible, but I think if you're the ACC and you believe that ESPN orchestrated these super conferences and that they're the reason that Texas and Oklahoma left the Big 12 and went to the SEC to strengthen their deal with the SEC. If you believe that's true, that they've been the puppet masters, you could absolutely sue saying that you went in uh, with a lack of good faith. You know we can't compete. We're dead in the water and you already know it. And you've orchestrated all of it, so no, screw you. But you don't necessarily want to do that to you the don't, place you that's don't. going to pay you on the other end of the equation or one of the two. That's I'm saying the you. league could do that. Yeah, the, we oh, don't, the I'm talking about the league. I'm saying They're not going to help us. But they would help themselves if they're about to watch this thing get dissolved. I I in theory, agree, but I, I agree with David's assessment that the league is probably worth what they're giving us. I, I think if it were to bear out, not much more. I don't know that there would be much more in the way that, you know, an arbitrator would rule in the ACC's favor compared to the SEC and the Big Ten. When you talk about eyes on sets, we just don't have them. No, we don't. I'm not wanting, I'm saying that the ruination of an entire league was orchestrated by, the, by ESPN, by its master. By virtue of the future dissolvement of a league and and the lack of monies that you have to be able to compete is enough to take that to court to say, you never negotiated in good faith here. Dissolve the contract, but I'm wondering if it would just be part and parcel to an arbitration of awarding more. Uh, maybe, yeah, you, you could be right. If it dissolves, look, anything that helps us get I out and dissolve the dissolve thing, do the it. Country. Yes, do it. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And, I, you know, they would take a settlement lower than the total amount if you wanted to cut a check today or, or reach an agreement today. But the question is, what is the number? It's the question for everybody in any business. What is your number? And Florida State hasn't reached it yet or else we'd already be out. Correct. Or we don't believe that we can without, in, you know, incurring incredible amounts of legal fees. Or well, else we already would have done it. Again, I continue to root for chaos. I continue to watch very closely what the Big 12 is going to do, what the Pac-12 does with that contract. What What is that number? Is it is it something that would see... Other member institutions decide it's time to ride as well, just like UCLA and USC already did. May very well be for a program like Oregon. If you're talking about programs that get to that magic number, we talked about the number that Mike Alford referenced in terms of tele- television viewership. Was it four million? The four million dollar, four million people games. Um, what was the number where he's talking about the amount of viewers? Might have been three, three and a half. I think it was four. Sure. And I think there was fourteen, four. Yeah, something like that. We get, well, on the other side, we get into this. Sorry, Jeff Campbell, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. <laughs> 